What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wong. I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling great. Why? Because I am in Nashville, Tennessee, starting rehearsals for my upcoming tour, which I'm very stoked about. Got the full band. I got two buses. I got a crew, a band, production we're bringing on. This is my biggest tour yet. I feel really good about it. I'm pretty stoked. Just got here, ready to hit these rehearsals. Got like 50 new tunes we're doing this year that we're pulling from. So I've been shedding, listening a lot. I actually, I spent a lot of time preparing for tours as a guitar player and band leader because I care. That's why, because I care. And you should too, if you're going out and doing gigs, you should prepare. Anyways, people ask me all the time, how do I support my favorite artists? What's the best way? The best way, buy tickets, come out to the shows, buy merch. That's like the way. Obviously, listen to us on all the platforms and whatnot, but go see your favorite bands on tour. Buy tickets. It's it's kind of how we survive now. Anyways, I'm going out to the West Coast starting this coming week, and then at the top of next year, I'm doing Midwest and East Coast. Very excited for them. Also, you want to talk about live gigs? I just saw one of the most insane live gigs ever this last week. I was at Hollywood Bowl, and I saw it was some sort of fundraising event thing. Opening band was Tate McRae, which modern pop artist, very cool, great singer, very cool speaking voice, by the way, and a great dancer. Anyways, then it was Garbage, yes, Garbage, the one that did Stupid Girl, I'm Only Happy When It Rains. Shirley Manson is a boss on stage, still just destroys, owns the place. Butch Vig, although he was playing some weird electronic kit, I don't. I wasn't really into that, but they were amazing. Then, One Republic, not gonna lie, I thought, oh yeah, I probably know like one of their songs from the radio or something. I knew all of their songs. And, you know, it's not like the type of music that I always would throw on, but my gosh, Ryan Tedder is insane. That cat is super talented. I gotta give credit where it's due. This guy is amazing. Then it was Weezer. Weezer, my friends. Potentially my favorite band of all time. I loved it. I've seen Weezer several times now. It was the most incredible gig. And then it was Halsey. Very great performer. She was dope. Closing out the night, Alanis Morissette. You kidding me? Queen of the 90s? It was it was great. It was a really fun night. Long, four-hour thing, but I was happy to be there. I was stoked to be there. So, you know what? You like bands? Go see them, because that live music experience, it's, it's transcendent, might I say. Overstatement? No. That's just what it is. Religious, if you will. Also, not an overstatement. I'm going to go with it. You want to talk about other amazing live musicians. The guest on today's show, Chris Thiele. Oh my gosh. This dude is insane. One of my absolute favorite musicians of all time. One of my favorite musicians to ever play with. One of my favorite thinkers, creative minds. This guy is incredible. I played with him several times, recorded with him several times, and it's always a learning experience. It's always one of those experiences where I've got to just be completely on my A game, on my toes, alertness all the way up, focus all the way up, technical facility and connection to the instrument all the way up because he is going to draw that from you if you bring that to the table. And I've just really enjoyed the times that I've been able to 
play with him. There's been several times where he's come and being a part of my band, both as Corey Wong, he's guested on one of my records. He guested with the Fearless Flyers on one of our albums and also with Wolfpack at our live at Madison Square Garden show. He showed up, no rehearsal, no sound check, plugged into a radial DI on the stage at Madison Square Garden. No in-ear check, nothing. He was just like, oh yeah, just make sure I can hear myself and uh, everybody else too, yeah. Shows up, crushes the gig. It's on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's all that. And then I've also had the pleasure of playing with him as leader in Live From Here, which was on NPR program. Absolutely wonderful to be a part of. He's an incredible leader and just a visionary. I love Chris's music. I love everything that he's, everything that he's doing. I've been a huge fan of Nickel Creek and Punch Brothers for a long time. So, you know what? I've gone on for a while on this intro. I'm not going to hold you up any longer. Please welcome Chris Thiele. Hey, you guys know about DistroKid yet? If you are an artist, musician, somebody who's trying to get your music on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those things, DistroKid is a digital distributor that can get your music on all of those platforms. It's the easiest, fastest way to do so, with accounts even just starting at $19.99 a year per artist. So for me, I have several albums out. I just pay one amount for the year. For all the Corey Wong albums, I just pay one amount, and DistroKid takes 0% royalty. 100% of the royalties come straight to me. Or you use their Teams feature where you can dedicate a certain percentage to one member of your band, a certain percentage to the other, or one of your collaborators. I do this sort of thing, it works amazing. DistroKid is who I use for my albums and it has worked great for me. The stuff gets up there fast. They have a smart ISRC thing. I don't have to worry about coming up with my own codes, registering a lot of the stuff. They just have that. And they also have these really cool design tools. If you are not very design savvy, they'll help you come up with assets for social media and other things to help promote your album. And if you want to use them, you can use my VIP code. Just go distrokid.com slash VIP slash Corey Wong and you get 30% off. How about that? Check them out, DistroKid. All right, let's hit this episode. And it is so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time, dude. I know, it's been a minute. How have you been? Good, good. Um, you know, sort of the, the, the summer was spent sort of remembering how to tour. Yes. Slash learning how to, to tour in the new world, which is, which is, I mean, it can be a harrowing experience as fun as it, as it is. Uh, did you do much? Yeah, I have. I've done a lot. Okay. How's it feeling? And it's been a learning curve. Yeah. At first, it was kind of learning how to get back to things and, okay, what do we have for protocols? What do we have for this? And of, of course, it's ever-changing and whatever. And now it just kind of feels like, just don't be dumb about stuff and just, yeah. yeah, we're maybe a little more cautious than what we were doing before all the stuff. Right. Now it kind of feels a little bit back to normal. It's cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't lose my voice as much anymore now that we're not going to like a, a, a crowded sweaty bar after a show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, all, oh, all of a sudden I can sing five shows in a row. It's no problem. That's great. That's great. I actually, speaking of you guys on tour, I missed you. There was, I'm, I'm going to leave the festival name off for, for the reason of this, because it might've been a little bit of a programming error, but I had missed you on a festival just recently I was playing somewhere and... Oh, was this a festival where the stages happened to be turned inwards towards each other? Yes. And I heard 
I, I got to the festival. <laughs> I was like, how's the festival? And I, I saw Sierra Hall and she comes up to me. She's like, man, Punch was really fighting it. Punch was really fighting. They were troopers. They were troopers. I was like, what? What happened? She's like, well, you just might hear some other bands while you're playing. Maybe lay off the ballads. You just might. You just might. And if if you're an acoustic band like we are, you just might hear the other bands louder than you hear anything that you're doing. What what do you think? Like the mega the mega festival thing, I mean, I no one loves a music festival more than I do. But the advent of these festivals where there's so many stages and people play so loud these days. I mean, look, I sound like an old man, huh? I'm like shaking my cane from the from the porch, but uh, no, and, and bless them for playing so loud. I just took my little boy Calvin to Rage Against the Machine at Madison Square Ooh. Garden, and it was it was glorious, glorious. So I I don't mind loud. It's it, but at these at these festivals where there's so many bands playing at once and they're all that loud, they're all as loud as Rage Against the Machine at Madison Square Garden. I I can't focus personally, um, or yeah. or like I have to start getting into it. I have to start getting into it like Charles Ives might, where the music, the music is not the band I'm listening to. The music is all the bands that I, I, yeah, the music is not the band I'm trying to listen to. The music is all of the bands that I am listening to at once. That's deep. I'm gonna. What do you think? Like, couple, are you there's down? There's a couple things. I'm first going to defend you as old man with the cane because you are not that, and I will defend okay. you for anybody oh, because oh. for the context of those who don't know. A lot of what you do is several musicians around one mic in the center. And these are acoustic instruments. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, individually, individually mic'd as well. But <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Context will help in this conversation. <laughs> There's a lot more bleed happening in what you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the only pickup on stage at a Punch Brothers show is on the bass. And, and that we actually attempt to use as sparingly as possible. Um, you know, the, the pickups for all that they've, you know, they, they've come a long way. They've come a long way for, for, for acoustic instruments, but, but they still can't touch the sound of an instrument yeah. uh, through a good microphone. And, uh, and of course, a band like Punch Brothers is, is also looking for even the microphone to disappear. You just want the sound that you're making to be a little louder. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. Um, so, for you and your band, your experience at these huge festivals is going to be much different. And the way that your fans experience your music is going to be different than the way that other bands' fans will experience their, the band that they're to, they're to see or whatever. Yeah. What do I think about it? I think it's a little nuts. It's a little awesome. Because I love being able to yeah. go to festivals and see a bunch of bands and see a lot of my friends' bands that, you know, a lot of times we're on this yeah. on tour at the same time. So I don't get to go see them. When you're on tour, you run into you 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 run in we might run into each other in the same town, but if we're there the same day, chances are we're also playing at exactly the same time. And um and so the the you know, we we might get to hang out uh, you know, on on a bus. My my favorite thing is to make other bands that are that happen to be in town um to to invite them to the bus for cocktails. That's my favorite thing. Make everybody cocktails. I like that uh, on the bus afterwards. But you're right. We don't get to actually hear each other do our thing unless we're at festivals, and that's 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 so much fun. Um, yeah, and I just I think I have to get more into the into the Ivesian nature of it. The you know the two brass bands passing each other in the in the town, <laughs> in the town center. <laughs> 
But it doesn't always have to be like that. Like, no, no, that's true. Yeah. I just played North Sea Jazz Fest in Rotterdam and their programming. Oh, that's a great festival. Festival's insane. And they had stages in different places where there was no bleed. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was nothing. Okay, do you remember peak, uh, peak pandemic trying to figure out the delay on Instagram Live? Like trying to figure, to see if you could actually make, like when you invite someone to join your Instagram live feed and seeing if you could game the amount of latency. <laughs> if you could play ahead enough to where you would be playing with the person that you were hearing. Did you ever try and do that? I did. And I'm way too much of a rhythm guy. And I'm way too much of a seeing the yeah. grid go by guy where I'm like, ah, my brain's just like, it's just complete malfunction. <laughs> Right. Wait, wait. Oh my God. Okay. We got to talk about that. You see the grid? Like you see. Yes. Uh, like when you're playing with people. Uh, okay. I, I was trying to explain this sensation to someone the other day and they had, they had um, a, like a great musician and, and they had no idea what I was talking about when I was talking about it this way. It's like the notes that you hear from everyone go up on some sort of a weird, like m minority report board <laughs> and you see where they're all landing. Um, yeah, it's like, it is like seeing where they land and then, you know, you're, you're kind of like feeling everyone's vibe and seeing where you can place that's gonna, that's gonna make it all sound as good as it possibly can. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Like seeing the grid? Absolutely. I visualize. So I've always thought when I'm playing live or I guess playing in any situation, I think about, I mean, it sounds deeper than it is, but three-dimensional listening when it comes to time. So I'm thinking about what did I just mm -hmm. hear? What am I hearing right now? Yep. And what am I anticipating that I'm going to hear? And I will visualize yes, yes. the grid to help me do that, where it's almost like watching a Pro Tools session go by, where I'm seeing all mm. the notches, every subdivision, and I try to look one subdivision deeper than what I'm playing. And then I think, okay, yeah. I landed here, this person landed here, this person landed here. Oh, I should adjust myself to match, or I'm hearing them adjust. And then I'm kind of seeing how things just happened and kind of anticipating where certain time feels yep. are going to go. Or if it's like, oh, this is kind of cool that they're right there and I'm going to be a little in front of it. So it feels like I'm just like, like we're on the train track, but I'm just pushing the, I'm just like, gunning the train along and just really yep. hitting the gas on it. Yep, 100%. And 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 yeah, the predictive listening aspect is so important. I I always think about it like the way that if you, if the quarterback throws the ball to where they see the receiver is, of course the ball's going to fall on the on the field. Um you know, you you have to throw the ball to where the receiver is going to be. Yeah. Uh based on, you know, what you know about their their pattern. Um, and that's, and that's what we do as musicians. It's predictive listening. You hear something and that, that, that is, that, that's information that will help you play well in the future. <laughs> totally. Future as in like two seconds from now, eight bars from now yeah, and in, like eight yes, years from now. Yeah. Or like a millis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you visualize it like a, a, something up on a board or how, do you see it moving past? Are you, is it constant? constantly moving for you it's like there's for me uh, you know there's like uh there's this sense of of the pulse like so if it's if it's um you know if if the musicians that are around if we've all agreed that this is pulse-based music yeah. uh which of course 
it need not be. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but but so much of the time it is. Actually, I mean that's another thing we could get into. I do I I have started craving uh less pulsed based music. Based on based on what's there, there's a lot of pulse based music in the world right now, a lot of gridded yeah. music like uh that that is being played to a to a perfect grid. Yeah. Um, that, that was, that was something I loved about, about recording, um, with y'all when we did the fearless flyers thing in, uh, in LA is, is, you know, of course the grid that y'all establish is, I mean, it's, it's mighty and it's incredibly precise, but it is, it is governed by humans. It's governed by your bodies. It's not governed by a machine. It's not, it's not a click track. It's not, um, you know, yeah, we're not playing to, to a drum machine or, or whatever it is. Uh, I really appreciated that. And I, I, I do love, I mean, I grew up, growing up with bluegrass, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very similar to any, any pulse-based music. You know, you've, you agree on, with bluegrass, things lean forward a little yep. bit. If, if they're perfectly in time, they, they sound like they're dragging like in, yeah. in bluegrass. Um, so you, you do, there's sort of this agreement that we're going to lean forward just a little bit. Um, which is sort of the, you know kind of the opposite of of uh, I would say like the prevailing aesthetic right now is like everything is is we all kind of lean back and that's that's like the hippest thing is to you know this sort of like opposite game of chicken to the next beat um, yeah like at least for and, this uh, which can, for, which for can the also next be, couple years maybe or the last couple years I, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but there's like there's but anyway you you if you're playing pulse based music. You know, of course, you you're feeling. You know, you're kind of putting your like Jedi hands out there and trying to feel where everyone is collectively feeling a pulse. And once that thing gets established, that becomes you know sort of this this pretend authority mm. uh, to me that I'm trying to like almost as if the room itself is sort of pulsing with that. And then and then the the sounds that every everybody makes goes up against that. To me, like so, I, I I try and imagine this collective pulse that we're all feeling as being sort of unassailable. Like like it's just it just is, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it uh, this godlike thing where it's just no, we don't we don't. That is the pulse. I see it in your bodies. I feel it. You know, I I feel it in mine. And and so there's that. And then there's what I hear all of us doing, and it goes up. Uh, and it's not like it's not like I have the ability to to place perfectly with that sort of godlike pulse, you know. It's it's mine also goes up and I go, ah, oh, man, I was a little ahead or a little behind um, what my perception of the godlike pulse is. Sure, you know, and and it all goes up there and creates this sort of Rube Goldberg contraption of a really righteous feel. But you like it when humans dictate what the steadiness is. I do. I do, I do, or I, I crave more of it. I just crave balance, you yeah. know? And so I love, God, I, I love the sound of, of computers. Group. I, my, my kid uh, is, you know, he's, I, I, you know, you have to kill the father, of course. And, and all, <laughs> all he wants to, all he wants to listen to is EDM. And there's this, when he was, when he was, I think, three years old, he said, it was, it was just him and my wife, Claire. Uh, and he said, he said he was sort of reflecting on things. I, and I think he'd been, he'd been maybe to a, an episode of live from here, like the, the weekend before. And he went, daddy makes 
beautiful music. I hate beautiful music. I like the rock music. That's <laughs> what, what he said. And and um and so I was very flattered. And then also, uh, but also, you know, he he has ushered in a whole new era of of listening for me where where he's playing me all this EDM that he's into. Um we we cross we uh, one of our Venn diagram crosses like Rage Against the Machine. He can yeah. he can totally bang on Rage Against the Machine. He 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 loves it. He was there at the garden. Um uh, in his his voice is actually about the same register as Zach's, as Zach Delaroche. Like he he really? he's about in the same spot naturally. Yeah. Burn, burn, yes, you're gonna burn. Yeah. Um, so it's just like it's perfectly natural for him. Anyway, he plays me all this EDM stuff. Uh, and he he was there's this there's this artist called Tokyo Machine. I'm I'm pretty obsessed with the pocket, and it's clearly it's all computers, and it feels good as hell. But my my thing is. I, I just want balance and I and I'm hearing more of that than I am of human mm. um sort of human generated grooves. Yeah. Which was a, such a fun thing for for me the first time you and I played together is is um is hearing someone that that yeah, it's, I mean the name of the game is is subdivision. You want to you want to be on top of not not that you want to play like a computer but just that you you want to be able to place with with the people that you're around. And I feel like the more you can subdivide, the more you'll be able to place with the people that you're around. Totally. Okay. A little more conceptual here. Do you feel the, do you feel the pressures or do you feel the push pull or the same animosity with time with a capital T like just time in general in life? Whoa. Oh man. That is such a good question. I, have I think I probably still have some remnants of the sort of predestination of my youth. Um, I'm not there anymore. Um, for for lots of reason, reasons. Actually, we I mean we started this conversation talking about being on tour. Tour really blew the doors off of my worldview. I I was raised in a very um sort of a conservative Christian environment and, and didn't, and I, I never really rebelled. Um, but the, but the more I traveled making music with, with all kinds of people, and the more I, I got into deep late night conversations with those people that I really respected and that clearly had their ears open and their hearts in the right place. Um, the more trouble I had with the concept of people who uh, didn't say the magic words going to hell. Mm. Like that, that, that if they didn't say the magic words, they were going to go to hell. Um, despite hearing, uh, you know, hearing and feeling their, their, their hearts in the right place and, and, you know, that their open ears. Um, and anyway, so, so that, that really blew the doors off of my worldview. Um, and I would love to think that there is no such thing as predestination, that we're, that we're all sort of, you know, we're we're all just out here floating through whatever this is, and making making decisions that that affect the people around us, and and um may bring us happiness and may bring us sadness, and and uh, and that we that we have to 
constant, constantly be evaluating um, our actions and, and what we're going to do next based on based on what just happened, just like we're talking about with 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 pulse and placement. Um, you know, this thing that I did, this way that I was, mm-hmm. you know, watching those watching those those choices ripple out from you and affect the people that you love and um and then you know try and try and adjust your actions accordingly um you know or 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 not if if you felt like this ripple that went out out from you you know was a had a positive impact and you you keep it as is but then but then i also i can't quite shake this sense of like the the governing pulse mm. that there is such a thing that there might be um yeah the the pulse of the sphere or the spheres or the universe or whatever that the that there is some sort of all, all almighty pulse yeah. uh that that we're all kind of moving to uh whether we're aware of it or not so sort of ostensibly like well, I I would say I'm an agnostic um and that and I live accordingly but I also I also have a firm conviction that this is not random or meaningless mm. some somewhere I couldn't and I couldn't tell you why I have that conviction um just that that and maybe it's as simple as um it makes me happier sure to think that there is a reason yeah for all of this and and uh and that I'm I'm you know naive enough to wear that's gonna that's gonna color my my worldview more than anything else you know i do i do think there's there's a part of me that that would embrace nihilism kind of Mm. wholesale uh just just intellectually sure um and and so i but i don't like the ripples that that sends out from me i don't like how that affects the people around me um and so yeah so just like our our pulse and our placement i'm like meh yeah, I could. I can feel. Man, I can feel the pulse in a nihilistic place, <laughs> but I'm not gonna put it there because I don't like how it sounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, I don't know if that if that yeah, that's answered any that, any, that go, any that's answered it in a lot of different all. ways. That's great. Okay, there's something that I've noticed about you that to me seems very obvious, and I'm just wondering where all this comes from and what ways it affects the way that you play music, write music, those who you choose to play music with. You're somebody who is deeply respectful for the craft of things. I've seen you talk for several minutes about specific types of beans in the coffee that you drink. I've We've had several conversations, and you've taken some of us out after one of those live from here performances for great wine and pizza and you were talking about the grapes and the way that you like the grapes and the certain nebbiolo and the the nebbiolo from the certain region from a certain spot and this and this i can i can tell you are somebody who just loves and is passionate about people who are really good at their craft and just a a deep Mm. um understanding of craft and obviously that comes out in the way that you play music it comes out in the way that you do the things and go about your life but I'm curious on where that came from, or if you've just always had that curiosity. Oh wow! I think that I, you know, so so much of how we are, of course, comes from our parents and and mine. Um, I should mention that that my folks, uh, you know, at, having just talked about how I came from a very conservative 
Christian upbringing. My folks have have also moderated in this in this, in this yeah. very I I believe very beautiful way, um, where their their they, and their ears were always wide open, um, and that's how you know. So so as I as I grew up and started touring and having all of these conversations, I you know come back at holidays or birthdays or whatever it is, and and uh, and have these really intense conversations with my folks where their ears were wide open and they weren't, they weren't like, oh man, you're straying too far from the shore. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't anything like that. It was like, ooh, interesting. Let's talk about that. But, but they, are, they are people who love, I think, experiencing the fruits of, of a dedicated human being's obsession. Mm. Um, and my, my, my parents are both very obsessive and like, you know, like probably right now, Mom is uh, is painting. I would imagine, like she's she's in the back room, easel, oil paints, uh, going at it. And Dad is probably in the garage, his workshop, like building these gorgeous briar tobacco pipes. Okay, um, you know, or or potentially he himself is roasting coffee or <laughs> brewing beer. He's like a one man Portland, Oregon. Um, <laughs> but he's. <laughs> But so that that's I grew up in that environment, and Dad, you know, Dad was a uh, a piano technician by trade, um, you know, which of course is an exceedingly detail oriented uh, profession, and there was always music around. And then it would be like driving a half hour out of our way to go to this taco truck as opposed to the taco truck that's right there. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that kind of, or, or I remember when In-N-Out Burger started, we, I grew up in Southern California and I remember when, when obviously In-N-Out Burger has been around for a long time since far before I was born, since before my folks were born actually. But it, as it was starting to, to kind of, you know, ascend from being like, you know, a handful of roadside stands to all over the place that it would, it would always be. In and Out Burger and not McDonald's, mm. you know, like for for my folks, like that 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 was just that was how uh, life was about appreciating these little uh, these little examples of human ingenuity, and so I I think as as someone who found music very very early on, um, you know, and there was always music in in my house. Sure. They're they're huge huge music fans. Mom and dad. Mom mom comes from a, a a family full of professional musicians, and then dad uh, had been playing upright bass with with uh you know at, at I I don't know I think he was like fifteen sixteen when he started playing with Peter and Trip Sprague uh, in this North San Diego County jazz scene that was super hip at the at, at the time. I think Peter eventually played with Chick Corea and. Uh, it was it was a, a really happening jazz scene. They they had all of that. Just that that. So we're gonna listen to this record and and we're gonna listen to it. Dad dad or mom gets into a record and that record gets played every morning for like two months. Yeah. And um and and so that kind of obsession was was the norm. And and my grandparents are that way as well. Sure. Just it's it's a family full of people who who would go way out of their way for this one thing that that they think is good or have been told is good and then that's going to affect the way that the rest of their uh the rest of their lives 
work. So, and I, you know, I always say like, if you, if you start, if you start your morning, you know, pursuing greatness in the form of like, I, I, I drink coffee, I'm going to drink coffee first thing in the morning and I could have, you know, average coffee, or I could have the best coffee in the world. <laughs> No, without, and it's not really a money thing. It's a like, do you, do you have the, the time, like, are you going to be able to, to, do you have the patience to, to make that part of your morning routine? And maybe, maybe you wake up five minutes earlier so that you have the time to like make a Chemex. Yeah. Uh, You know, instead of like stirring some instant coffee into a styrofoam cup. Yeah. And, and here again is, is just my, my, uh, I you know I think my fear of nihilism. It's just like nope. This all means something. Yeah. It all means something. And so if there is coffee, let it be great. Let it be amazing. I love that. Uh, and and if we're gonna have if we're gonna if we're gonna destroy brain cells at night, like let's make sure it tastes really <laughs> really good. <laughs> hey, by the way, we gotta we gotta go out sometime and do some tiki hopping together, dude. Are you into it? Oh yeah. I had I had a oh. tour manager. I had no idea about the scene until I went on a tour one time and tour manager was like, "Bro, I'm going to take you to some tiki bars." I was like, "What?" And Whoa, then okay, all of a who like, is this Latitude wait, who is this tour manager? Uh, smugglers, you know. Well, you did it. Uh yeah, all, all the all the spots, dude. It was like, "Okay, I I know I'm so I'm so obsessed." I literally I said yes to the... a gig I didn't want to do in New Orleans, one that was like, "Oh, it was going to be hard to get to." I was like, "All right, yeah. Let me see if there's availability at Latitude 29 that night before the gig. <laughs> and I, so I'm, I'm, yeah, like that exactly. was, yeah. Nope. I've got, I've got one penciled, man. I've, I'm doing a gig in, um, in Grand Rapids. And I mean, I've got it circled on the calendar as like, that's when I'm going to Max's South Seas Hideaway. Yes. Like, I'm so excited. I'm going to, I'm going to head straight to Max's. I know, you know, like my, my opening, I know what my opening beverage is going to be. And then I'm going to be like, all right, take me on a, take me on a journey from here. What's the opening um, beverage? The opening beverage, the opening beverage at Max's is going to be, I want to leave off or I want to start where I left off the last time I was there. Yeah. Um, with a jet pilot. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've, yes. if you've had a jet pilot yet. That's a, yeah. Which is like the, the, it's the gentleman zombie. Yes. Uh, you know, a zombie cocktail, of course, is amazing, but um, but also, you know, to be to be tiptoed, yeah, uh, around. Like you need to be careful with a zombie. I learned that one the hard way. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Talk about talk about destroying brain cells. Um, but the but yeah, I'll start start with the jet pilot and then see uh, see if the bartender is 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 willing to go on a little take me on a little journey. I like that. See, my method. With, with the tiki and with pizza is the same. Mm. And it's the same mm. as listening to music in a room, okay? Yep. I want to put a little pink noise through the system, tune the PA. Yep. I want to just get a margarita pizza and then let's get cute, all right? so Yeah, I, absolutely. Let's yeah. see what you're dealing with. So you start with a Mai Tai, I'm assuming? Yeah. I start with a Mai Tai, yeah. put a little pink noise through the system, tune the PA, just kind of see what we're yep. dealing with. And then, and then move from there. I do the same thing. So the first time, of course, that I went to Max's, Max's South Seas, I started with a Mai Tai. Yeah. Um, but now I'm on, I'm on my third, this will be my third time. Um, 
And uh, and so uh, yeah, I'm on a little I'm on a little adventure. I, I'm you know I love that Max and I we we go way back now. I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't think there is actually a Max, by the way. <laughs> so, geez. Latitude 29 is it's amazing to go to Latitude 29 because that guy uh, Beach Bum Barry basically brought all of this back to life. Yeah, like the yeah. the 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 whole tropical or exotic beverage uh, world, like. He's, I mean, it's amazing, and the 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 int. What is it? The authentically inauthentic. Yes, is is sort of like what what that's what it all is. Like the whole thing didn't exist. It's the figment of a couple of a couple people's imagination. The whole scene. It's just so fun. It's it is. So f- that's that's the thing that's cool about it. Yeah, and it. I think it speaks to 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 this moment a little bit in that in that um, you know life is. Life is complicated uh, for for everyone right now, um, you know. Maybe and maybe for people our age, unprecedentedly so. And um, and you know the whole exotic cocktail thing sort of, uh, uh, you know, arose during, uh, from my understanding of it, during the the, the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or just sort of sort of rose out of that, yeah, yeah. and. and you know, and then and then really came to prominence during World War II, and exceedingly, you know, a time that really just to just to stay afloat as a human being to 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 keep going, you needed some escapism if you were just gonna, uh, you know, the, the the idea that you would just hunker down in the in the darkness of that time, um, with 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 no rest. Um, I just don't know how how you would have kept going. So. Um, you know, yes, there's a, a, a extraordinarily frivolous and <laughs> potentially, you know, destructive aspect of it all. We have to we have to be careful with 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 adult beverages, of course. But um, yeah. But I do think there's a very positive aspect to just, um, you know, walking through like the velvet curtain at some great bar and pretending that everything is okay for a second, just to give yourself a breather. I love that. I wonder if you still have the opinion about something that we had talked about once a few years ago. It was to do with consuming really good food in a restaurant while music is being played. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do you know Let's where, go there. Let's do yeah, it. Okay. <laughs> you know where Let's I'm go going there. This. Okay, so I'm going to let before, I do. before I even say anything, I want you I feel like you're going to defend yourself and then explain yourself. So before I say anything, I'm just going to sure, set sure. it up. A lot of times we'll go out to a restaurant. Sometimes it's a nice restaurant. Yeah. Sometimes it's a great chef. Sometimes it's not. But in these places or just places in society, they will sometimes pipe music. See, <laughs> I think at one point you were saying against our will, they're piping music <laughs> <laughs> into us. And sometimes it's a certain type of music that has a dissonance with the food experience itself. To, uh, that's all that I, I'm yes. gonna say. Why don't I, Why don't you go into it? No, it's it's great. I mean, I I yes, and I I so I I have chef friends who who they I mean, love music and have great taste, and uh, and actually the the my I can I feel like I can speak freely about this because my my chef friends don't do the thing that I'm talking about here <laughs> where where I, I do feel that it it's something in society that needs to be looked at that that when we are like could we just could we maybe just eat 
or, or listen to music and not. <laughs> I feel like when we're this is I, I it's so funny to me. Um, for instance, God, I'm really gonna go here, and and I um, trust me that I I respect I I wholly respect anyone who disagrees with this. Um, and can think of so many beautiful, like jazz clubs, for instance, where you you kind of have to eat dinner. Yeah, you know where where you sort of expected, like you need to buy dinner. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you're there, and I don't know, man, I cannot. We're animals. If there's food in front of us, like we're going to eat so that we can stay alive. <laughs> it's not. We're not listening to music like we're not like it's not time to get it for me like when we're listening to music like it's time to listen to me i'm so freaking psyched to listen to music and get all the way in there if i'm eating like i can't do that that's that's <laughs> it's not it's different it's really different i but but since probably the last time we talked i can i can handle it as long as it's not too loud, <laughs> if it's like, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I can handle it regardless. Uh, I'm not going to storm off, you know, <laughs> up in the table. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I do, I do feel like the, the, the analogous situation would be if, if a chef, if, if my chef friends came to my concert and I was like force feeding them dinner, uh, <laughs> That I'm like going here. Okay, thanks for coming to my show. Here's a Big Mac. Go eat it, eat it. Like while I'm playing, while I'm playing, you know, julep or whatever. Um, and so, so yeah, I do have, I have, I have a different feeling about bars. Um, I, you know, it's I don't, I don't feel quite, although. Or I will tell you, there's this bar in Edinburgh, Scotland, called the Bow Bar, where they do not play music. Uh, <laughs> the the it, one bar in the world. The first, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I think there are there are probably others, and they're probably mostly in Scotland. Um, but like, it was, it's, it's just a great Scotch list, and no music, and people are just in there talking about Scotch, and I found it to be. Or whatever, you know, yeah, they might yeah. talk about the scotch for a second, and then the next thing you know, they're 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 talking about Nietzsche or whatever. I I don't know, like what did people used to do in bars uh, before the music got so loud that you kind of just are drinking and sort of smiling at your friends and kind of moving. But I don't, you know, uh, heaven help you if you got to sing a show the next day and talk to your friends at a bar the night before. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just so loud. So. Yes, again, here I am on the front porch with my cane. <laughs> but I do, I, you know, at, of course, at our, our beloved exotic cocktail bars, often we, you know, we, we, we're listening to the Les Baxter or, or uh, Esquivel or something like that. And I can get into that these days. Uh, again, as long as it's at, uh, you know, as long as it's under conversation volume. Um, I just... I just I strongly dislike that that oh I don't know it just escalates right the the the, the uh, escalates that the the music is loud and so people talk loud and and the music gets louder and people talk louder and it just oh it's so much yeah, yeah. I, I get off my lawn <laughs> no I think it's it's fair we we have our preferences and we have our, like I was a friend of mine is 
an expert in Rembrandt and he was working at the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam and he was giving Mm. me like the, I'm totally spoiled to get the full on Rembrandt tour there. And he's like, oh yeah, I was actually taking pictures with a microscope. We studied the entire surface of it and he's a chemist and everything as well. And I was thinking to myself, what would it be like if we were here right now and there were music playing, what, what would be appropriate and what, amount or or, or like mm. whatever he's just like yeah you just don't want to do that how are you going to focus on this if you're if you're also listening like would you be able to focus on the art here if there's art up there like of course there's art all around you but it's all kind of the same medium and that's how the the museum curates it like i don't know that they would is there an appropriate way to curate music and then is it like do you try to curate music that's time appropriate with the Rembrandt or do you try to do something that's Ooh. that's just like going to put people in the vibe of checking stuff out at the museum? It was just it's interesting. I man, I I was I I remember tweeting back when back when the stakes were so <laughs> so much lower on Twitter and things like that. <laughs> I remember you know or 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 just just you could rage about things that didn't matter because everything was feeling pretty, you know, yeah, free yeah. and easy. Um, well, you know, this is a long time ago now. Uh, but I remember going to, it was a museum in Boston and I was, I was, I, I was having my first Rothko experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, previous to that, I, I'd sort of breezed by him, yeah. you know, going, I could do that. It's just two colors. What's going on? Um, and, you know, but I was, I was having, I was having this moment with it. Um, and then, uh, settle it. You know, it's like maybe there was sort of, there was a bunch of people milling around. There was more activity. Um, and then was settled, but, but sort of fixated on this Rothko and then things thinned out in the gallery. And I became aware of background music, which I never hear in museums. Um, and then it turned out they were, they were sort of having this, you know, it was a curated thing. Um, where they were they were playing Philip Glass in the background in this in this museum, and I I got I I had a sort of a violently negative re- not violent but I, I I had a strongly <laughs> negative reaction to it. Um, just like this is not this is not the soundtrack of this Rothko for me. Like it is it is is not this is not how this painting sounds. Yeah. Um. Uh, and I remember tweeting about that, and then the the museum like tweeted me back, going like, "No, I'm gonna we, we we take our music curation very seriously, and and this has all been, you know, it wasn't just random background music." And for me, it was just like if if Rothko had told you, you know, to play Philip Glass etudes <laughs> in in concert with this painting, I'd be so down. But like. I have an essay here from the dude or like, you know, there's like quotes where he's talking about the, the exact opposite desire. Yeah. (laughs) And I just, and that's, that's, so I felt slightly validated at least in that moment. I mean, I definitely, a lot of it is, is old man with the cane on the front porch for sure. Uh, I just, I just have for me, maybe it's an inability to, to multitask or something. I just, I want, or, or just, you know, I, I, it could be my own focus issues, but I, I want one thing. Yeah. And I want, I want to give my entire being to that thing. 
And if my ears are on Philip Glass etudes, which are awesome, uh, I can't give my entire being to the Rothko. And I'm not there to hear Philip Glass. I'm there to see Rothko. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's, you know, that's for me, uh, that's, that's really where it lies here is that, that I, I think, and at a, at, a, at a restaurant though, now we expect there to be music sure. in the bath, background. And I, I really understand that. And, and like my wife, when we have people over, she's like, you're going to put music on in the background. <laughs> like for, for, you know, the first, you know, the first couple of years of our relationship, she was, she was giving it to me. And then at, a, you know, like just, she was letting me have the silence at, at like a dinner party or a, or a cocktail party or whatever. And then after, after a couple of years, she was like, this is weird. This is just weird. <laughs> We, we, you need to put something on. And so now I have my, my, my things. I have my things that I put on. Yeah. Um, she lets me, she lets me pick, bless her. But, uh, which I do not deserve, by the way, Corey, I do not deserve that, that privilege, but, but she's, she's, uh, let me, let me pick. I like that. Usually the Boswell sisters. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this uh, whole conversation, I've been thinking it could have literally been anything but it just happened to be the mandolin. And it's like, it's like, it happened to be music and the mandolin. You could have been like the greatest Photoshop artist of all time, or you could have been like the greatest, like, you know, graphic designer of all time. You could have been, you know, like you, you are somebody clearly, and I don't need, I know, I don't mean to flatter you with it, but it's like, you know, you are somebody who's just transcended beyond the instrument itself and has accomplished so much. But it's like, it just happens to be the mandolin. It could have been coffee for you. It could have been wine. It could have been, you could be Beach Bum Berry in the middle of Idlewild, California or wherever. <laughs> Making the best cocktails and Sometimes ever. I wish I were. Sometimes I wish I were. There's, I, 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 but I, you know, I think the same... The same could be said of, of, you know, I, well, I think, I think that's just, that's, thank you, by the way. Thank you. Of course. Um, I feel the same way about, about you. Like the first time I heard you play the guitar, it's the, it's the attention to detail and, and the joy. Mm. Um, we, we see those, like God is in the details, but we, we've all heard that mm -hmm. um, a lot of times. And, and I think that, I think that's true, God or whatever. Um, is is in the details, and it's those it's those tiny things. Like you watch Roger Federer hit, you know, hit a forehand in slow motion, and you see all of these little things that that are um, are not an accident, mm -hmm. that are the result of you know a million forehands. Yeah, you know uh, uh, that with with um, and I think the thing that is so beautiful about about, for instance, Roger Federer's forehand or about the Barolos that Maria Teresa Mascarello is making uh, at, at Bartolo Mascarello, um, you know, that, that, that there is that, the attention to detail and then the, the joy in paying attention to the detail. Mm. Um, and that is transferred to anyone that that detail is shared with. Um, and so, you know, for, so for me, like getting to watch Roger Federer is just an, a, it's just a, an exercise in joy. Mm. 
and um, and getting to drink one of Maria Teresa Mascarello's Barolos is an exercise in joy, and um, and then you know fuel for the next day's uh, the next day's work. Yeah, the you know as we we, we you know mm. that that you see. So even as you're ex- experiencing the elation of of mastery come to fruition you you are also you know kind of putting it in a filing cabinet like in the same gesture that you can pull out the next time you're stuck um you know in in for us in the practice room or in the studio or the writing room and i think i think being very cross disciplinary in your in your interests at least is is really helpful um to avoid to avoid burnout, yeah, uh, you know, with your own, um, you know, so I think some people avoid burnout by spreading themselves uh, a little thin, you know, that that you, um, you know, you get it's e- it's easy to to be exhausted by by a craft, um, and um, but I think that any craft contains such multitudes, um. That as long as your interests are diverse, um, you can keep the craft pretty specialized, mm. um, and uh, and then use those interests to fuel the pursuit of of excellence and um, you know within the the context of the craft. I love that when you choose to play with certain people, like and you're inspired obviously by so many different things. I've heard you talk about Radiohead. I've heard you talk about traditional mm. music bluegrass music it's and, and obviously the mandolin is kind of associated with that but again you have kind of transcended just be not just but being bluegrass musician you're now just musician whatever you've collaborated with so many people whether it be brad meldow whether it be punch brothers nickel creek your own solo stuff edgar meyer yo-yo ma all these yeah Stuart Tung, all this incredible incredible collaborations what do you look for in a collaborator and what excites you to do these projects? Man, it's it's um it's all this stuff we're talking about. It's like seeing that it's it's seeing someone hear, hearing them, feeling them uh care so mm. much, care so much and and delight in the care that they see around them mm-hmm. and delight in their delighting in their own care and feeling that sort of you know the double bounce of, on the trampoline of your mutual care you know again you just get get getting each other riled up um and you know conversations like 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 we've had together or getting to play like you know when we got to play uh um oh god what is it called is it dean town yeah is that the like when we got to the, to do that together at um at town hall on the radio show um you know you feel you feel that the crackling energy it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's it double bounces you you know we come to the table with something yeah and then uh and sometimes you so you come to the table and the person opposite the table um you 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 don't feel the sense you, you 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 sometimes you come to the table you meet someone and you leave the table feeling about the same as you came to the table feeling mm-hmm. uh and sometimes you come to the table meet someone and you feel uh changed you mm. you feel like more 
you just you leave the table feeling like more. And um and that's what I'm looking for is is to you know just to be around those people that help me transcend myself. I mean, I'm just this guy and and without other people uh, I'm going to just be this guy forever, you know, <laughs> like you, there, you, there's only so much you can improve yourself, uh, with just yourself there. It's being around other people that, that makes you better, that makes you more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't just mean like a better player, a better musician. I mean like a better person, a better, a better inhabitant of whatever all of this is. And so that's, that's to me what I'm, I'm looking for. So like when I, when the first time Brad and I played together, um, you know, there's that, there's that sense. So I love Brad. I love, I, I love Brad, his music with all my heart. Um, you know, but I've had experiences getting in a room with someone whose music I, I absolutely adore and not feeling changed by the act of like sort of being together or making music together. Mm. And, and it's sort of like one plus one can equal one sometimes. and. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah. and and sometimes one plus one equals two, but but it's those it's those, and that can that can be really fun. And of course, you 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 know, you you love that. But sometimes one plus one equals three, where you both are just you leave that you know you leave the table feeling mm-hmm. like I'm more now, and I'm more when I go to the table with other people who aren't this person, and yeah. so uh, I got to make sure that I get back to the table with that person often. Yeah. Totally. I love that. Yeah. I love that. All right, my last hey, question. I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Do you have more? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, mean, I, feel, I feel that way whenever we get to play together. Oh, and, thank you. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's especially fun. It makes so much sense to me to hear that you think about Pulse and the grid. Because uh, I, think, I, think, I, I think I actually just suspected it. Um, yeah, there was just, it's so easy for, I think when we played together, it's just so easy to place together. Yeah. It's so fun. Um, it, it's almost this, I don't know about you. I, I feel like when we've gotten to do stuff together, I feel like I have four hands. Uh, yes. you know, it's like, it's, I, it's just so fun. It's, Dude, absolutely. When you, when you can anyway. find the exact same time feel with somebody and you can hear each other's subdivisions and weave yeah. in and out, it's like, wait, did I just play that note? Or did, did he just play that yeah, note or was yeah. it me? Oh my gosh, that you know, and then it kind of has this No, and hearing hearing you and and hearing you and Joe, you know, uh for instance, you and Joe Dart have that Yeah. Th- that I I feel like you you guys are just this big, you know, four-handed massive range <laughs> plucked instrument player, you know? Like it's yeah. just it's so exciting to me. I think a big part of that is he is such an articulate, clear player, and my thing is yeah, so incredibly, rhythmic, incredibly clear that it it yep. kind of it kind of is him as kick drum and a little bit of yeah. snare, and I'm like hi hat and a little bit of snare or something. Yep. Okay, so you got and you guys think punch the uh, my fellow punch brothers and I always think about ourselves ensemble like in. in as an ensemble or as a, as a drummer, mm-hmm. like a, like a collective, you know, a five person drummer. Uh, we think about that all the time. Um, and then you guys have, that's an interesting thing about, about y'all in both, in both 
Wolf and the Fearless Flyers, um, that the drumming allows for rhythmic input from the whole band. Yeah. Um, so like so much of music, and you know, we talk about we've we've talked about like, you know, my sense of sort of being um having kind of a computer grid overload. Sometimes I, I have drum overload right now. Sometimes. Mm. Um just in that there's there's so much of the music that we hear out in the world has drums and so many drummers kind of rest the, you know, R R no, W W R E S T uh rest the all of the rhythmic control of the music kind of away from other musicians or like they mm. they assume that it is their sole responsibility to sort of be the rhythmist mm. um the rhythmicist in in the band and um you know but of course the 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 greatest drummers are not that way they they're doing the stuff that we're talking about where they're hearing everyone's rhythmic input and you know plugging that into their own you know sort of soul slash processing capability and 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 it comes out in what they play uh and that rhythm is a is a a two-way com it's a two-way conversation yeah um and and i think that uh so often um and it's not just drummers you know anyone who has yeah it's just a question of listening right it's like it's like making sure that rhythm just like every aspect of music is a conversation and mm -hmm. not a monologue yes uh, if there are other people if there are other people in the room um if there are other people on stage, they have, um, you know, rhythmic agency. And sometimes, and so that's a thing to me about both Wolf and the Fearless Flyers is all of you have so much rhythmic agency, like equal rhythmic agency, yeah. I would say. And that you, you're, you don't hear like, okay, the drummer has great time and the other guys are kind of flying around. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, it's like so, so much music I hear these days. It's kind of sometimes I I get the impression it's like you know the drummer has great rhythm and everyone else is just floating and and y'all are the the opposite of that it's like that is a you know that is a uh, you know a many headed rhythmic beast and uh, and I love hearing that oh man that is such a high compliment from you so thank you thank you um. My last question is more about... Also, wait, hold on. Before we move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Nate Smith for a second. Just let's for talk a about second. Nate Smith for a second, dude. Come on. Like, is that cat not insane what? or what? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, and talk about someone whose ears are on. Yes. All the time. For whom I wish we could, I wish we could split this into three. Real quick and, and, and get and get how he's thinking of like pulse and the grid and the information that he's receiving from his fellow musicians. I uh I only got to do I got, I think I did did the radio show with him twice, I think. Mm. And I just like yeah, just as in terms of a rhythmicist that you and I both have some experience with, you obviously much more than me, but uh that 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 guy is a a total superhero of of rhythm and the mel and the melody of rhythm. You yes, know? yeah, and he's he's so unique in, in all of his playing. Did he make a record called Pocket Change? And that's maybe the one where he's just just him. Yeah, have you listened to that at all? Yeah. It's insane. Boy, that is 
a master class in some of the stuff that we're talking about. Yeah, it was um, fun. And I actually, I even bought the transcription book just to follow along and just to have fun, like reading oh, along. Oh, great idea. It was really fun. Okay, I didn't know that that was, I didn't know that that was one of the options. <laughs> it's out there, man. It's out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's incredible. Yeah, it's it's fun, man. We're in such a cool... A lot of people think, oh, man, the music industry, whatever right now. Like, yeah, there's certain ups and downs of the industry, but man, there are so many good musicians out there and there is so many ways to consume good art and good music right now that yeah. I'm just so stoked to just be a mm. part of communities that that are excited about excellence in music. Yeah, and I, I really I love this moment. Yes, and of course there of course there are aspects of of things that are hard. And actually, it, you know, the background uh, how easy music is to consume right now is the only potential. It's one of the greatest parts of the whole of our time, and also one of the most dangerous parts of our time. Uh, yeah. you know, musically speaking, just in that anything that is easy to get, um, you know, is is in danger of being devalued. Um, if it's 100%. easy to get, it can be, we can take it for granted. Um, but that obviously, you know, though the, the, there are so many passionate music fans. There always are, but I love the enthusiasm that I'm feeling from people. And I, I think that there's this really healthy, I, we go through stages, I think, in music where where um, apathy can come off as being very cool or desirable in some way, mm. and um, and or like not giving a shit can be can be perceived as being very very cool, and like hearing the sound of someone not giving a shit, um, you know, that uh, that th 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 that can be. Uh, desirable at times, and I and I think it should be. I think that that there's room for that sure. in music, but but I, I, you know, I feel like we have blasted out of a period where that was sort of the prevailing desire to you know, and 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 now there's room for hearing people give so many shits. About what they're yeah. doing, and uh, and delighting in that, and feeling like that's very cool. I I I think that we have a real, um, we're in a real full spectrum moment in terms of what people have room for in their musical lives, and they have mm. room for for stuff that's very very cool and very minimal, and and you know that 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 has that sort of um, ah fuck it kind of a quality to it. Which I, I mean, I there is tons of music like that that I love, and then we have room for like maximal. I have spent every moment of my life since I would move my fingers thinking about moving, you know, thinking about moving them in the service of music. And here, you know, here is here is this crazy thing that you know that I've devoted so much time towards presenting, and I hope you like it. And I'm geeky as all hell, yeah. and we we have room for all of it right now and i love that to death i love that I, I absolutely you said one thing that i'm curious your thoughts on just since you went there the value of hmm. music and basically the trend right now seemingly everybody's like oh the trend is basically only that music will be less and less valued and the the value of whatever 
it will never go back up is what so many people are saying. What would it take? What would it take for music to be valued again? And do you feel that way? Well, it's it's back to the background music thing, to me. Mm-hmm. Because music is so easy to get, I I do feel like we just as a as a species, we put music in the background of our lives a lot, and mm-hmm. maybe. Um, you know, of course, there's always a, a whole bunch of very passionate music fans who will make uh, an evening out of listening to a new record. Yeah. Um, and like, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I worry that there's maybe less casual music fans who would do that with their, I, you know, I think, I think that in, in our lifetimes, uh, there's probably a drop in the in people who would just decide like, hey, do you want to come over and listen to a record? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there's not as much of that going on now as there was when, when I was like eight, nine years old. Yeah. Uh, and, but I can, you know, I can remember that. Yeah. Um, you know, I can remember people getting a new record or like, you, you know, even for me, I think maybe I was 20, 21 when Kid A came out and that was like a thing. Yeah. Like, hey, do you want to listen to Kid A tonight? You know, yeah. like, and that would be what we did. Yeah. Um, and I would just, inc- I would encourage everyone to, and I, you know, I, I have a strong suspicion that most of the people listening to this podcast are the kind of people who would put on a record, you know, like mix themselves a cocktail, put on a record, and that's what they're going to do. Um, yeah. But, um, but I would encourage people to, to listening to this to like spread that spread that relationship with music uh you know to to everyone you love and the idea that you could you know there could be a new there could be a new Corey Wong record out and you would invite your friends over make a freaking you know Corey Wong themed cocktail and sit there <laughs> and listen to the thing you know front to back without talking and then talk about it afterwards mm. you know that that to me sounds like heaven and i still one of my favorite things to do in the whole world is is as oh, calvin goes to bed uh and, and actually calvin and i you know we'll 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 that can be the thing he wants he wants to play me songs and we sit there and we listen to the song and he's like don't talk daddy yeah <laughs> and we get to the end and then we talk about the song but uh i i just i love that and especially listening to to if we're going to make these this bleeds into another thing uh, that we could talk about, which is um, if we're going to make records, you know, now, I, you know, I think since we were, uh, you know, since we sort of came of age as, or not since we came of age, but since we started paying attention to records, records were there to sort of disseminate songs. Like that mm-hmm. was the, the easiest way to, to get and keep songs. And uh, and now, of course, you can get them any in any way that you want. Yeah. So if we're gonna make records, there has to be a reason why mm. we're gonna make a record. Like I I want to hear uh, lots of. So if we're gonna release records like a collection of songs instead of singles, yeah. Um, I want to hear the reason that all, that this group of songs is together. I want to hear long forms. I want to hear recurring themes. Want to hear like why is this seventh 
on the record, you mm. know, and and ooh, it's because this one was first, and this introduced this theme that is now yeah uh, developed in a specific way. Like we've heard it developing over the course of this record, and now by track seven, it's turned into this other thing. Like I want, I want to hear experiences like that. Yeah, um, or I want, I, I want to have experiences like that with long form recording, or else we can, but like. I, and I love little blasts of musical inspiration, two, three, four minute blasts of musical. That's awesome. I love it. Um, and now we can get that so easily. We can release those, yeah. those little blasts and we can all consume them to our heart's content. And if I think as musicians, if we're going to make records, let's make sure there's a reason that, we, that we're sitting people down for a half hour, 45 minutes, 60 minutes. Like, let's make sure there's a reason that we're sitting them down for that length of time. Yeah. And giving people a reason to pay attention to the music for a long period of time. You know, I think that's, some of this is on us. We can't let the uh, delivery mechanisms that are in place Mm. dictate our ambition level for, for this music. Like we, if we want people to pay attention to what we do, then we need to give them a reason. We need to like go out there, like, look at that man, the, uh, uh, Mr. Morale and the uh, and the Big Steppers, for instance, is just such. Uh, I mean, that is that is engrossing the way that going to a movie theater is. Like you put the the new Kendrick record. The, yeah, you, you put that thing on, and I mean, I defy you not to pay perfect attention to that yeah. thing. You know, he demands that we pay attention. Yes, absolutely. And and that's what you know. If we want people to sit down and like make a make an evening of it, like let's make sure that we're making something that demands to be sat down mm. and made an evening of. I love that. You said recurring themes. And I was thinking, mm. in, we've been talking about different art forms. We've been talking about different things. In music, it feels like one of the art forms where people don't quite allow us to use the same themes in different things. For example, mm. and I have mm. in my music sometimes... I had a melody that I used on my first record. And I then years later, I was like, I think I want to develop that thing more, but in the context of a different song. So I used the same melody yeah. in a different song. I was just kind of exploring in the same way that Dolly explores the melting clock, in the same way that Rothko developed the different Absolutely. sizes of squares, all these different things. With Wolfpack, we did a couple things where we used the same kind of solo, solely thing and tried yep. it in a couple things. I thought that was so happening. I and Wolf a lot of times have been roasted for doing this. Like what? Yes, like you can't use self plagiarism. It's just like you already used that melody. All you guys do is use the same things over and over again. It's like yeah, but I'm like, yes, it's the same thing. And sometimes we'll cover songs in different versions or whatever. But in some contexts, it's like I'm just trying a different theme, a different melody in the context uh, of like why do you allow it in the visual art world but not in the music world? Right. No, a hundred percent. Or, or like a D chord for that matter. <laughs> like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, nope, you already used a D chord. Nope, you already, you already used an A minor seven. <laughs> Gonna have to think of something else. Um, no, it's all, it's just all fair game. And those obsessions that we develop at a hundred percent, um, do, I, th- I think that there, there, there can be a melody you know, there can be a melody or or a certain progression or or a lyrical uh, theme or or hook or whatever that that you realize is true. Mm. Um, 
you know that it's it's a it's true about you in some way um you, you that you got one of those things that we're all that we're all looking for is like i found this thing that is true and damned if i'm not going to ring it out <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean like let's let's get in there and i you know i feel that way about certain feels like i've got i i would have you know in punch i feel like there there are certain sort of in that sort of rothko colorfield painting way or like pollock um you know with the with the action painting or what whatever it is that there are these feels that that are true uh coming from us like it's a true feel and i look at these various songs as being like installments mm. in this this um in a series of like this feel um and i haven't gotten it's funny like i feel like you guys have achieved greater enlightenment in that like that that you'll take that like a recognizable theme or something and then and spin it out in a different way um and it's something i'm well, it's something Nickel Creek did on this new this new record. It'll come out in the spring. Nice. Um, it's the first the first time I've really engaged in that. Like here here is a theme that we deploy in you know the first or second track, and that's going to come back you know mm. verbatim, but also uh, or like identifiably the the same exact thing, but now flipped on its ear in these in in myri- you know in these myriad ways. And uh, and I you know I think I think it is. I think we looking again the importance man of of looking uh across disciplines mm. um for inspiration and um you know that you guys I the, the Rothko uh analogy is perfect that that you find you find this thing that is true and you you just because you do something just because you do it once doesn't mean that you have done it mm. um you know you 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 are in the act of doing it um, while, while you are alive as an artist, you know? Yeah. And, um, and if you're compelled to revisit a specific theme, um, yeah, I think it's really smart to think of it in terms of visual artists having like a series of, of paintings that they do. Well, I'm glad that I have your permission. <laughs> I, uh, you have my, you have my, my, my adoration. <laughs> I love that. All right, my last question has to do with something that many people as artists and just people in general right now who are dealing with the idea of pressure and being able to deliver. Mm. On social media, somebody has more likes than normal or more views than normal on a post. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I have this pressure, everything else that follows. Or a band has a successful album or a successful tour more so than they have in the past and now the next thing that they're going to make they have to make sure they live up to that or you know they find themselves into something you are somebody who has had lots of success uh objectively lots of success grammys awards sold lots of albums been a part of multiple successful projects you had the pressure of having the MacArthur Fellowship, which people call the Genius Grant, which of course, <laughs> whatever, like that, that <laughs> uh, immediately ties pressure onto like, well, then what are you going to do? Like, you know, there's so many things inherently about what you've done and accomplished that now all of a sudden, I, w- I could imagine there's just a lot of pressure to continue to deliver and to continue to have a certain level of something, which you of course do because of your dedication to craft and everything we've talked about. But so many people 
don't know how to deal with or accept the pressure or move from it and make the next thing. Do you have any mm. insight onto how you continue to make your art, continue to just move past that and and use maybe that pressure for right. for good? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I love I I do love the sense of having an audience. Mhm. Mm I find I I don't know if you grew up with the children's story Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel. Um did you did you happen to to I, have I don't that know read that one, to no. you as a child? Okay. Well, I love it. Uh I think it's I think it might be by Virginia Lee Burton. Um any anyone out there who <laughs> actually I, they don't have to have kids. You, it's just great. It's no matter what. Um Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel. Mike Mulligan always talks about how the more people that were watching, the the better and the faster they worked. Um, and that's like the, that's one of the themes throughout the course of the of the story. And I I am I'm that way to a certain extent. Like mm -hmm. uh, I you know, I thrive on I thrive on the energy of the human beings around me. I, I'm like a classic extrovert. Um, yeah, I you know, and just I love attention. There's just you know, there's never been enough. You know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I can always take. I can take as much as you'll give me. But but yes, the the, the pressure, uh, the main pressure I feel though is internal. I and I think that what we have to do is all this stuff that we're talking about. I think you you have to be able to know what it feels like when you love something. Mm. Um, you have to work really really hard on loving things, um, and. And making sure that you know what it feels like deep in your core, that you know what it's like when you believe that something is good and that mm. something is of worth. Um, and so that you know what it feels like when you encounter something that someone else has made um, and, and then can recognize that feeling when you make something uh, that is good and of worth. Mm. Um, and, and you know, the importance of being true to that audience of one, the only person that you have control of pleasing, of, of you know, of, uh, yeah, the only, the only person whose approval you have control of gaining is yours. And you have to trust yourself. And you have to, and the way that you, so we're not just working at being, uh, you know, better musicians or better painters or better, uh, you know, Vigneron's or baristas, uh, we're, we're tennis players for that matter. Like we're also working at our sense of, of good. We're also working on ourselves as consumers of human ingenuity mm. um, and, and, and making sure that we recognize when, when we're in the presence of greatness. Um, so, uh, you know, appreciating that greatness, recognizing in us that just that sense the innate sense of oh my god this is so good so that so that you trust yourself when you're in the writing room practice room whatever it is you come up with something and and you start having you start having that little twinge of like ooh ooh this is good this is good it's not it's not there yet i don't feel the complete sense of it and and you know it's not that you'll ever it's not that you'll necessarily ever know def 
definitively. I mean, I, I guess I have that sense sometimes. Like you, you get, I live for those, those, those moments when you're like, yes, this is good. I made a good thing and I can't wait to show it to someone. Um, you know, that, 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 that's, um, I, I live for that. And then of course the feeling passes and you start fixating on the things that could be better about it. And that's, I think all of that is good. But as long as you trust yourself in that in that moment of like this is a good thing, this is worth working on, this is worth completing, getting it to where I feel this way about every moment of this of this song of this record, you know, and being honest with yourself about the moments that are not, you know, they're not living up to their their end of the bargain, um, you know, not not letting the moments that are uh, kind of make up for the moments that aren't like we're really working on, on every aspect of that thing. And then once you, once you feel that way, um, it's out of your hands. You don't need to worry about it anymore. How many people hear mm-hmm. it? How many people, you know, give it the old thumbs up on social media. Uh, it's just out of your hands. And, and I, I do think is, is, is luck of the draw. Of course, some people manipulate social media really, really well. There's, there's, that is art uh, uh, mm-hmm. as well. And I, I mean, I can appreciate like, I appreciate that, like I like I can Roger Federer's forehand, and I'm about as good at it as I am, you know, hitting a tennis ball, which is not very good. <laughs> um, and um, but I appreciate it when I see people do it do it well. Uh, and mm-hmm. my lord, what a valuable what a valuable uh, talent to have, uh, you know. And something something that I I I have there is an ambition in me somewhere to to get better at that at some point. But I also notice. A direct correlation, or like an inverse. There's an actually inverse. Uh, there's the uh, inversely proportionate. Yeah, my happiness seems to be inversely proportionate with the amount of time that I spend on social media, <laughs> and mm. or the the amount of care that I give it, um, where it is directly proportionate with the amount of care that I put into the music that I'm making. Sure. Um, and and I think at times that that results in in uh, less ears on the music that I make. Um, and I do, God, as I say, I do love having an audience. I love that attention. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, you know, I have a, I'm at war with myself a little bit about all that right now. But what I'm not at war with is that is that the pressure that I feel. Um, Sort of in the act of creation is internal. I I I just want, I don't. I, I just want to not let myself down. I'm yeah. not worried about what anyone else thinks about the art. And I I don't say that like I'm some sort of a badass. It's just that I I I have never known worrying about that to result in music that makes me happy. That that gives me that feeling mm-hmm. of oh this is good, this is good. Um and so I don't if I'm not if I'm not being true to that instinct, then I'm just playing the lottery and I don't really know what's going to happen. Mm. Um, you know, and I, 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 um, and I think there are certain people who make great art, uh, you know, worried about how many people are going to hear it. I don't think that that's like somehow uh, like antithetical to the making of great art. Sure. I think it's, you know, it's whatever works for you. Um, and, um, you know, and you just have to be, you have to be so in tune with yourself as a as a consumer of human ingenuity. I think that's kind of the bottom line yeah. for me. And 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 just paying paying as close attention to to the appreciation of other people's 
art um, as you are to the development of yourself as an artist. Because mm. that's the only way you'll, you'll, you'll know when you hit on that thing that is good. I love that. I love that. That is such a great way to to think about that. And that's such a great answer. And it's um it's entirely self-aware in in that whole thing. Like, you know, it's uh ah. yeah, I love that. Well, now I want to now I'm I, I want to get a podcast going so I can interview you. I want to hear I kind of like want to turn each one of these questions. Back on you. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. Amazing, amazing uh, collection of questions, my friend. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm genuinely curious about you and absolutely huge fan. Everything that you do, whether it be the, the Lay Songs thing, where it's just you singing and playing Mando or Bunch Brothers or Nickel Creek, which I'm so oh, stoked. Man. You guys are doing a new record. You're putting out a new album. Yeah, a new thing coming out in the spring. I can't wait. I can't wait to share it with you. Oh my gosh, I'm stoked. That's going to be great. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Are you guys going to be touring? Oh yes, yes. There'll be there'll be a lot, be a lot of nickel creaking next year. All right. Well, I'm going to be sure to come out and see you guys, and I hope to uh, see you sometime in person and hang and play some more music soon, and maybe have a mai tai. Just maybe, just maybe. We should we should fight we should like create a band that only tours like next door or at tiki bars. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, like absolutely. We're, we're gonna play this twenty five cap club in in, in San Francisco. Doesn't mean wait. I lo- I okay. We're we're gonna have we're gonna have to talk about this offline. I I I think I think we're onto something. You heard it here first, y'all. I like that. All right, Chris, thanks so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Oh, I can't wait the next time we get to share some uh, some 16th notes. I would love that. Thank you, man. Hope you're well. Talk to you soon. Peace. There you have it. Chris Thiele. Dude, so amazing. I hope to play a lot more music with Chris soon. I mean, it's just, he's hes that good. He's, he's incredible. I mean, you can hear, he's a smart, passionate, driven person. And all those things and the way that his mind works, uh, the way that he just transcends the instrument that he plays is just like a brilliant mind. I, I love Chris and everything that he does. And like I said, I hope to play more music with him. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I am going back out on tour next week. And hey, if you're a mandolin fan, Sierra Hall is going to be on the road with me, and it's going to be fantastic. She's also an absolute shredder. I mean shredder. She's going to be on guitar, too. We're going to do some switching off stuff. It's it's going to be fun. She rips. So thanks so much for hanging out. We'll see you next time. Peace! <laughs>